Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that begins a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is a revered doctor of the Church, St. Peter Chrysologus, who died in the year 450. As Archbishop of Ravenna, he was a zealous pastor and gifted preacher who contributed significant insights to the Nicene-Constantinopolitan Creed, defending the true divinity and true humanity of the divine person, Jesus. And now, from St. Peter Chrysologus, an excerpt from his Sermon 47, the parables of the pearl and the net cast into the sea. By the fact that Christ our Lord created the sky, earth, sea, and the great, many, and varied creatures in them, he gave wonderful evidence of his power. By the fact that he assumes human nature, acts the part of a man, enters into the centuries, passes through the periods of life, teaches by word, works cures by his power, tells parables, gives examples, and manifests in himself the burden of our emotions. By all this, he reveals that he has an indescribable affection of human love. For this reason, he makes heavenly goods appear attractive through earthly examples. He uses beings of the present world to make us relish those of the future world. He represents invisible benefits by visible evidence. The parables which we hear from the gospel today give forceful proof of all of this. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he finds a single pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Let no one who hears this take offense from the name merchant. 
Here Christ is speaking of a merchant who shows mercy, not of one who is always investing the profit from capital. He means one who provides the beauty of virtues, not the irritations of vice. One who brings forth seriousness of morals, not great weights of precious stones. One who has on a necklace of righteousness, not wantonness. One who wears the insignia of disciplinary control, not the trappings of pleasure. Wherefore, that merchant displays these pearls of heart and body, not in human trading, but in heavenly commerce. He shows them not to trade for a present advantage, but for a future one, to trade in order to gain not earthly, but heavenly glory, in order to be able to get the kingdom of heaven as the reward of his virtues, and not to buy at the price of innumerable other goods, the one pearl of everlasting life. The Lord added another parable in these words. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. When it was filled, they hauled it out, and sitting down on the beach, they gathered the good fish into the vessels, but threw away the bad. The kingdom of heaven is like a net cast into the sea. This parable reveals why Christ chose fishermen to be his apostles and changed catchers of fish into fishers of men. That fishermen's practice might be recognized as a type of God's judgment. The catch itself brings together fish of every sort, but the separation puts the chosen ones into vessels. Similarly, the vocation to the Christian faith brings together just and unjust, bad and good, but the divine election separates the good and the bad. The kingdom of heaven is like a net cast into the sea. Christ sent his fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, all of them approved for their skill, to the sea of this world. It was a sea swelling with its vain display, proud of its confusion, stormy because of factions, fluctuating through uncertainty, noisy with grievances, roaring with anger, shipwrecked by sins, and sunk into impiety. Come, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fishers of men. Hence, he sent his fishers forth with nets woven of the precepts of the law and of the gospel, hemmed with counsels, 
expand it with gifts of virtue and with grace. Fit to gather an unceasing catch into the shelter of the gospel. Now, brethren, right now is the time of the catch. Christ's nets are being drawn through the tribes and nations now. Through the whole world, they are bringing in teeming catches without discrimination of persons. However, because the end of the world is near, the nets are bringing to the beach the fish of our capture, that is, the men who wander about free and untrammeled, while immersed in worldly concerns. They are disturbed by the dryness of the shore, that is, the nearness of the end. And they dash against one another because of the whole arrangement of things. They see wicked nations wax prosperous through triumph after triumph, Christian peoples distressed in captivity all over the world. They see wicked men rejoice in success and prosperity, and pious men harassed unceasingly by one evil after another. They see masters reduced to slavery, slaves gaining the upper hand over their masters, sons rebellious against their parents, aged men held up in contempt by youth. They see every condition of nature, every arrangement of order, as something utterly perished. However, although these facts are true, and perturb the weak in faith. They do not unsettle the strong. They cannot perturb the strong because the strong increase their strength through parable and build up their fortitude through aid from the figure. The fish taken out of the deep toss about in their confusion for a little while on the shore, but the quick selection while it discards the bad ones, separates the good. That brief confusion, soon to pass, makes them the good ones, rather than perturbs them. That heavenly selection consigns the evil to their penalties and quickly gathers the good to their honors. It leaves the wicked below, and places the faithful in the kingdom. It consoles them all, the fathers, the aged, the just, the elect, with everlasting glory in return for the short-lived insults they bore. The parable itself demonstrates this when it says, at the end of the world, the angels of God will go out and separate the wicked from the just. At the end of the world, he who believes in the end of the world and discusses its deterioration and has hope that the lasting possessions will be his later on, why does he seek to possess the perishable ones? Brethren, the world takes a beginning 
from its terminations. A creature is renewed by its end, not destroyed. It withdraws itself not from its creator, but from sin. Not for the just, but for the sinners, do the elements come to an end of their usefulness. At the end of the world, the angels will go out and separate the just apart. But no one doubt that the angels will appear to the saints. Even Christ promises his service to the saints. His maxim is, I shall gird myself and minister to you. The angels of God will go out and separate the wicked from among the just. Bear up, O just ones, endure for a while. Yea, more, even grant a truce to your opponents. This short-lived mingling with the unjust will be compensated by a long separation. They will separate the wicked from among the just and will cast them into the furnace of fire. See what sort of abode those prepare for themselves who expel their neighbors and drive away their guests. See how great a fire those men kindle for themselves from their short-lived pleasure, who is in this world, prepare delights for themselves out of the hungers of the poor and the pain they inflict on others. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How woefully will that man gnash his teeth there who smiles in evil here. And he who has joy now from the misfortunes of the poor will weep over their good fortune because he had it within his power to rejoice with the poor, but would not. But you, my faithful ones, rejoice forever in the Lord. St. Peter Chrysologus, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, protector of those who hope in you, without whom nothing has firm foundation, nothing is holy, bestow in abundance your mercy upon us and grant that, with you as our ruler and guide, we may use the good things that pass in such a way as to hold fast even now to those that ever endure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord.